Welcome to So Late Pause, the podcast where we pair a good movie and a bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm here with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. What's up? Um, not much. There is something much going on, and that is our five-year wedding anniversary. That's true. true. (laughs) I thought you meant today. Well, I mean, much like I have a birthday week, I'm here to have an anniversary week as well. Sure, yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, so we've been married for five years. Does it feel like it? Yeah, every bit of it. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, it seems like it's kind of flown by, really. I know. So we've been married for five years together for almost 10 years, right? Yep. That's, uh, Mm -hmm. well, almost 10. Yeah. So I want to give you a shout out because you planned a really great anniversary night. So there is a new cheese place here in town, which if there's one thing to know about me is my adoration of fine cheeses. So Sean planned for us to be able to go sit at the cheese bar there and get a nice cheese board, which was delicious. I'm going to let you, Sean, explain the most delicious thing that we had on that board. So I don't remember the exact type I of... Do. Okay, well, <laughs> so I'm describing it, but you know the actual description. <laughs> so it was basically, it was goat cheese, right? It was like a firm goat cheese. Uh, but then they kind of sugarcoated it so that they could brulee it like a creme brulee. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so it had that kind of hard, crunchy sugar, Mm -hmm. like crust. Mm -hmm. So you break through it and then it's like kind of hard on top when you eat it and kind of crystal. There are like some crystals throughout it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they had like a rhubarb jam. It was was rhubarb and something else. It was a rhubarb jam that they made in house that was delicious. Mm Mm-hmm. It was so good. Yeah, it was delicious. It was like the creaminess of the goat cheese and like a little bit, it's still a little warm because like it's been brulee and like that little tiny crunch from the brulee and then like like that tartness of the rhubarb. Right. It was, we woke up, as we took bites, we were like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. Yeah, it was really good. And you could go get that by itself too, but right. we sound like we're an advertisement for this cheese place. <laughs> I wish we were. <laughs> hey, Gray's Fine Cheeses, please. <laughs> Paid for us to talk about you. Right. Well, and uh, cheese is Ashley's thing. So you're also like describing my literal dream if I were paid to talk about cheese. I know, right? <laughs> you need to start a cheese podcast. I'm not against the idea. It's just you at Gray's rating cheeses. Right. <laughs> and they're like, please leave, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> you're not sponsored by them, but you right. just keep taking their cheese. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was it was really good, and um, we went from there over to uh, the place where we got married because uh, yeah, it's we, a restaurant. And yeah, so we, we got... went and saw the bar and had a couple drinks there. We went then to another place that's like a tap room yeah. that we've always gone to since we started dating. We've been there ever since that place opened. We always was fre- we were always frequenting there. Right. Yeah, and then uh, made our way back home for the, uh, the end of the night. Which was the the actual, yeah, the grand finale. Yeah. Um, So I have a huge obsession with the show Gilmore Girls. It's one of my favorite shows. I'd put it in my top three favorite shows. And Sean, in our pandemic life, agreed to start watching it again with me. This is probably, at minimum, my tenth time rewatching the series. So we were watching it, and then we kind of, like, died off because we started watching something else as a couple. Like, I say as a couple. It's like our show that we put on at the end of the night when we had nothing else to do. This is longer, too. Yeah. And, and we were trying sure. to replace it with um, things, something that had, like, a 30-minute or 20-minute episode. Yeah. You're right. Um, Because these are more like 40 minute to an hour episode. Yeah, for sure. It just takes longer to watch. 
But, I mean, so we probably watched the last episode that we had watched together, which was in season three, probably two or three months ago. Yeah, a little bit a little bit ago at this point. Right. And I've made a comment about how, like, I wish we'd get back into it because, again, I just want to watch Gilmore Girls. Um, so Sean planned a Gilmore Girl themed anniversary night, which included watching Gilmore Girls. We ordered burgers from our favorite place. And what I did not expect was him to come out and dress full on like Luke Danes, which I'll definitely post a picture in our Instagram stories on So Wait Pause on Instagram. It really just entails dressing like you're in the 90s, early 2000s, <laughs> which I've already kind of dressed like that a number of times. So. <laughs> you don't, you do not dress like Luke Danes. No, I don't. No, well, not with the backwards hat and all that stuff, but I am a fan of plaid. I wear uh, a lot of plaid and other checkered gingham Gingham is my favorite pattern on you. Various shirts. But plaid, Mm -hmm. uh, probably I don't wear as much plaid anymore because you don't like it as much. Right. (laughs) I think that it was a really perfect night. I'm so happy that you planned it. I kind of ruined the perfect night by catapulting both garlic aioli and mustard across my body and our floor. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing of it. Yeah. So what you might not know is that our house is undergoing some major renovations, which we're so happy and blessed to be able to do that. But it means that we're really like sequestered to very, basically two points on our house. So our den, which is fortunately a large space, that's where we're eating all of our meals and doing everything. Like our fridge is stuck in our den, den right now. And so we were eating on our very tiny coffee table last night and I was cutting my burger and flung two very full, deep containers of mustard and garlic aioli literally all over me and across our entire carpet. It's kind of the worst I've ever seen. I've never really seen someone with something so viscous because it wasn't a right. glass of water like it wasn't runny. Or, you know, or something yeah. like that. It was a um, small tub almost. <laughs> Of aioli, one, and then mustard, two. And somehow, it's almost like a cartoon where as it gets catapulted, all of the contents leave the container and then just splatter across everything. It was literally thick, like a thick coat running down my leg. Yeah, it was. I've never seen anybody that like ended with that much sauce on themselves and the floor. Like even if somebody's at a restaurant, you know, and they like hit their ketchup thing or something right. like that. Maybe a little tiny stain, right. right? This was like so bad that it was running down your pants. It really was. <laughs> it was like, not good. <laughs> I have never seen to that level where it looked like you got gacked. It, like, <laughs> isn't that like, what it's called? Yeah, like when, or, or, uh, or slimed. Like slimed. On, uh, like on I think that's or called gag. Nickelodeon. Yeah, I think it's called gack. They called it sliming. Maybe it is. I don't know. But we'll that's literally what it felt like. Yeah, and so, like, it was just immediate that, like, I needed to get my pants off because they had mustard and garlic aioli just, like, thickly pouring down them. I had garlic aioli between my toes, <laughs> literally. And so, like, my, like, my immediate reaction was to go and, like, you know, like, strip out of my clothing. Um, So, like, our laundry is in our hallway. So, like, I was, like, stripping so I could immediately put the clothes in there. And then I realized that with our renovations, our neighbors can see straight into the hallway that I was in Yep, with no clothes on. There's no wall there anymore. There's not a wall there anymore. And it is very well lit and you can see me. So it was very much like I was like, I literally went and put on a sweater. The sweater that I'm wearing right now. So I'm wearing like a sweater that is like a tissue type front, like 
it does not cover my body by any means. Um, but I was like, I'll just put that on my body while I'm trying to like get this list sprayed and put into the laundry. I really hope our neighbors didn't see anything because like I have definitely scarred them for life. It is what it is. We did scar the rug for life. <laughs> no, I'm convinced I'm going to get the steam cleaner out and it's going to lift. I put OxyClean on it all night. I'm convinced. I'm sure. convinced I'm going to get it out. We'll see. Also. Is that your shot in the dark? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is the shot in the dark that it the stain does come out or doesn't come out? That it does come out. Okay, so if whenever I get to the steam cleaner with it, if the stain comes out, we take a shot? Sure. Perfect. Yeah. We're going to do that on Monday morning before a conference call. Perfect. Just kidding. I don't mean it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, okay. So, let's talk about what our movies are today. Yep. So, we announced this at the end of the last episode, and the good movie was The Greatest Showman. Right. With Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. And Zac Efron. And Zac Efron. Yep. You can't. And Zendaya. It. And Michelle Williams. And Michelle Williams. Okay. We don't have to name the whole cast. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me pull up IMDb. <laughs> I, I was going to list just The Greatest Showman, but... <laughs> I don't know. And then the second movie... Rebecca Ferguson. Sorry. I'm done. We're just going to keep naming. No, I'm done. <laughs> uh, the second movie... Do you want to announce it again? Because it was your choice? Yeah, it's music is the name of the movie. It's Isn't written. it like music by Sia? No, no, no. It's just, it's called music, oh. but it happens to be written and directed by Sia. Yeah. The singer. But we get, before we get into that possible atrocity, let's talk about Greatest Showman. Yeah. So I remember when this came out, I think it was in 2017. I think that's right. Yeah. I remember one. I just need to make it very clear. I think <laughs> I think if anybody's listening to this might have had it beaten into their head by now. But like, I'm a sucker for a mus- musical. Right. Like, love musicals, whether it be movie, Broadway, whatever. So obviously when this was announced, like I was pretty excited about seeing it. And I think I was most excited about seeing it because it was being advertised as the uh, music and lyrics written by... Um, the same people who did La La Land, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite movies. Right. So I was like really excited about it in that way. But if I recall correctly, when this movie first came out in theaters, it was not widely well received by critics. Yeah, and probably wasn't. Like the like the critics that we especially listen to, right? Right. So I remember like we had put off seeing this movie for the longest time because it was not getting great reviews and Sean and I are, you know, we're zombies who are just slave to reviews before we pay to go see a movie, which is kind of true. Yeah, we do definitely take reviews into account when we're choosing any of these movies. Exactly. So I know like I remember Greatest Showman being one of those movies that we were like, yeah, we'll definitely go see it. And then like when the reviews came out, we're like, uh, it can be at the bottom of our list. Right. So eventually it became like the only movie in theaters that like we were interested in seeing. And this is back when we were going to the theaters like once or twice a week. And so we went to go see Greatest Showman. And I think I went in with such low expectations that I was really happy with the movie. Yeah, so I think we both ended up liking that movie a lot more than we expected. For sure. I do want to preface. <laughs> it, is, it is our good movie pick. Do I remember it being the best movie? No. Honestly, I think that when we left the movie theater that you were, like, really hyping that movie. I think I was. I just... I. I think I'm just a little bit nervous to like lead into this as our good movie, knowing like that it didn't have the best critic reviews. Rightfully so, but 
and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I have a distinct memory that when we saw this movie, we like sat after it finished and that like, you know, because sometimes we would just sit there while people left and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that after that, you're like, I loved it. I do not remember that. I'm almost absolutely certain. I remember after Wonder Woman, the first one. <laughs> I do remember do. that. Yeah, yeah. I remember doing very something similar to that, but I do not remember doing that during Greatest Showman. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. So this may or may not be coming from a Greatest Showman super fan. So keep that in and mind I'm, when you're. Uh, I will, I, hey, look, it's our good movie pick. I do remember some musical numbers being spectacular. And that's really all I want in a musical. Right, and that has stuck with me, too, because I do remember the musical scenes. I I remember a lot of what happens. Of course, I remember the songs. A number of those songs uh, were even playing on the radio at the time. Yeah, like, for sure. Uh, or on Spotify or whatever, not necessarily the radio, but... For sure. I remember hearing them while I was out. Right. So, that made a big enough impact for that to be the case. Right. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it. Do you want to talk about drinking, drinking rules? Jesus, yeah. I can't talk. So, do you have anything that you have found out for... I have. So our favorite website, drinkwin.ca uh -huh. from Canada, yep. <laughs> they have some rules for us. So anytime someone says Barnum or circus, which I think makes sense. Yep. Um, anyone drinks. I can only think of one scene that centers around drinking, but maybe it's more prevalent than I remember. Anytime a song starts, that's pretty much given. You see a newspaper um, and the audience cheers. I think these track... Yeah, what I remember. Um, with audiences cheering, from what I remember, that's kind of like the whole movie, right? Well, I of mean, like various scenes of the audience I, like breaking into applause. Maybe, but I also remember like, I mean, there's a good part of the movie where they're skeptical, right? Mm, yeah, I mean, I guess. So, I'm not sure. I think those are good rules. Is there anything you want to add before we watch it? No, I think that covers most of it. I mean, P.T. Barnum alone, plus, or just Barnum, I guess, not right. P.T. Barnum, but Barnum, Carnival... Or circus, you said circus. circus. Yeah, I think that is probably going to cover a lot of it. Right. And then cheering. If I remember right, I think there's a lot of cheering. Probably, <laughs> you're probably right. A lot of those scenes, especially the ones that the music numbers are set to, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of screaming and cheering. Right. So I, I guess we'll see. Okay. Were you ready to watch it? Uh, yeah, I think I am. Let's do it. And we're back from watching. The Greatest Showman. Sean, is it a good movie or a bad movie? It, I, there were a lot of points that made me question. <laughs> so I guess as a movie, it's kind of bad. Mm -hmm. If you just care about the musical numbers, it's pretty good. I would even go as far to say great. Yeah, I, I would maybe only, say so. If you're only looking at the musical numbers, I think it's a great movie. I think I agree with that because the musical numbers are, are pretty good. There's only a couple that seem like a little like, hmm. Like what? Um, so the, the one where um, P.T. Barnum is singing like sullenly to his wife. They smart. I mean, they set it up like on the beach. She's like just sullenly staring off into the ocean. Uh, and he's like trying to reconcile their relationship. Right. And he like yeah. sings a song. That was boring enough. I don't even remember it. Well, and that fits with my <laughs> point. <laughs> I think that but like. But there's a lot of points in all, all musicals that I love that I'm like, I don't really care about that moment. Well, that's true. But I mean, that's one. For the most part, I think actually a lot of the musical numbers were enjoyable. I liked almost all of them. I really liked ones that were like had a lot going on. Mm -hmm. um, 
Because a lot of them have like pretty intricate choreography going on. Right. The one that I was most surprised that I enjoyed because I didn't remember it at all was the Zac Efron Zendaya duet. Oh, yeah. Where she's on the trapeze. Right. Or like they're doing or, the aerial stuff. Right. It's and, like, like a, the rope. I'm, I'm not going to say like I love that song, but like the intricacies of the aerial work and that's and that scene were really cool and i forgot about how cool it was and i probably didn't appreciate it as much the first time when we watched it yeah and i brought it up in the moment that the scene where they're in the bar and oh yeah that like the other side i think is the name of the song ray i don't remember that part but um hugh jackman was trying to convince zach efron to join like his you know group or whatever right because Zac Efron plays like a wealthy character, like an actor who's well known, but like has hit some duds in the plays that he's in. Right, and so he's maybe looking for a new venue, and P.T. Barnum sees that as like a oh well, now I can get like a financier for my you know stuff and mm-hmm. like whatever. So during that scene, there's a lot of like scenes at the bar where they choreograph them like taking shots. Right, and that's going to be our our new challenge for 2021 is we're going to get that down and we're going to do so it. So that we're like sliding shots across the table to each other. It's literally the only thing I want to do this year. Yeah, I'm down <laughs> for it. We need to, that's how we'll do our shot in the dark. We'll uh, set up to the choreograph number yeah. and then take it. Which is really funny right now because like I mentioned that we're in a renovation right now and we're set up like at a card table. So it's like we literally had nothing to like slide anything on right now. So like it's, like it's really funny to me to picture us doing it on this card table. Well, and after the story that you just told about the sauces, I don't know if, um, <laughs> if that would be such a great idea. <laughs> That's true. But we will have a kitchen island at some point. Yeah. And it's going to be practice upon. Sure. Yeah. We'll have to use uh, non glass <laughs> shot glasses. Right. So I also had, sorry, a complete aside. I had a dream that we completely ruined our island. How? By like not curing it correctly. These are the things that, like, as a homeowner, that I have nightmares about. Mm-hmm. I had so many nightmares about the floors that I chose. So I d- chose new floors. And my newest. I think I had it last night or the night before last. My nightmare about basically the like it's a granite. Granite's pretty fucking sturdy as long as you have it sealed correctly. Mm-hmm. I like dreamt that like we were corroding it and it had like like craters in it. Like oh, <laughs> these are the things I get scared about. Yeah, Anyways, well, completely that was a complete aside. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that the people are gonna do that when they uh, but set maybe it up. but maybe it was about like us trying to fucking recreate the greatest showman shot scene. <laughs> yeah, no. and we're just pouring uh whiskey everywhere and it's like corroding the granite. <laughs> right. So you saw the future in your I dream. Mean, I'm not saying I didn't. <laughs> well, we're definitely not gonna use if we do practice this, we're not gonna use glass shot glasses. <laughs> Um, because that would turn into a disaster. It would be like on New Girl when um, Cece tries to become a bartender and she tries to <laughs> slide the glass down and it's just like flying off the right. end of the bar. Uh, back to the movie, though. Yes. Was it a good or a bad movie? It's both. And where it's a good movie is in the musical numbers. Where it's a bad movie is in kind of like the dialogue, the regular dialogue and the regular story. Mm-hmm. Not all of the regular story is bad. Some of it's pretty bad. They also fall into a lot of tropes. They also have a lot of like just really dumb moments that wouldn't happen in real life. Mm-hmm. And one of those that really stood out to me is that at the beginning of the movie, for those of you who haven't seen it, P.T. Barnum, played by Hugh Jackman, starts off poor. Mm-hmm. So he really doesn't have any money. He's like a shoe shiner or something like that at the beginning. What Are you was talking he? about when he's a child or an adult? Yeah, what was he as at the beginning? As a child? Yeah. Um, his dad was a tailor that a he... A tailor. Yeah. 
Okay, so he's just and there as like a And when his dad died, boy. he was like selling like newspapers. Okay, yeah. Which is why the newspaper drinking role goes very well with this movie. Right. In the one of the opening scenes, he's a tailor uh, or a tailor's boy or whatever. He's basically just helping out his father and he's in the house of his future wife. Mm-hmm. And she's like from a wealthy family and mm-hmm. she's like sophisticated and blah, blah, blah. And then they track that throughout the years very quickly mm-hmm. until they're married. So that's the premise is that she's from a wealthy family, but he's very, very poor. And she doesn't care because she loves him and whatever. She agrees to go on this adventure with him and, and all mm-hmm. this. This is a recurring theme. So there's one scene where to really sell how destitute they are in their adult life, to really like encapsulate why like P.T. Barnum is now on a mission to do do something and make something of himself. Right. What really propels him forward, there's a couple of things. One, he makes like a wish box and he asks his two young daughters like, what do you wish for? And one of his <laughs> daughters is like, I want to be Santa Claus's wife, which is dumb and whatever. And then the other one is like, I want ballet shoes. And then that one, like, he like stops and like just stares because he knows he can't afford ballet shoes. <laughs> like, fuck the dream of being Santa Claus's wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. And when we watched that scene, I was like, man, that second daughter coming up with something that costs money <laughs> instead of something abstract. So that's the first time where he's like, wait a minute, we're poor and I can't buy my daughter's shoes. That's the first one. The second part that really propels him forward is that he comes home. He's already kind of gotten into the situation where it's like a risky situation mm-hmm. where he has to make money. Mm-hmm. And Michelle Williams is asleep on the bed. And in her hand, <laughs> I remember what you're talking about. <laughs> she is holding a list, like mm-hmm. a worn piece of paper. Yes. That has listed out all of their expenses. Also, I would like to note that just because you're in a much older era doesn't mean that your paper ages normal, like more quickly than. Right, it would have been new paper. Right. But it looks like a piece of like worn paper that you would like if it had been written in the 1800s, you would have found today. Like, I don't think the paper just like came out like dingy and beige. (laughs) I don't know what paper looked like (laughs) back in the 1800s. But (laughs) on that paper is this list of expenses. And so the only reason for this is that you're supposed to see like things are so dire that she's trying to check off the list of like to make sure they can afford food and stuff. And that it's all that's on her mind, whether they can mm-hmm. afford the next day. Mm-hmm. But in real life, does anybody, they do write out lists of expenses. Mm-hmm. They do that, right? Sure. And I'm sure that in the 1800s, they wrote it out even more frequently, right? As a way to track it. Mm-hmm. Do you literally just clutch that list and like fall asleep while looking at it? Because you're just like, you can't stop adding up the numbers of like what bread and milk costs? The answer is no. So the only reason it happened in this movie was... As a device, right? For him to see that and be like, oh my God, we're poor. You want to know what my other favorite device was in this film? What? Michelle Williams' father. Oh, yeah. He aged backwards. It's like a fucking like Benjamin Button type thing. So like in the movie is like Hugh Jackman's character and uh, Michelle Williams' character meet when they're children and fall in love as children. And it's like the first like 15 minutes is like following that. And her father is not very foreseen of when they like meet each other. and. He's an asshole. Like, he literally slaps Hugh Jackman's character across the face within two seconds. Right. But you see him throughout the movie, and I swear he gets younger. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see it as drastically as you did, but uh, maybe I just wasn't paying as I swear he, he was getting... I mean, did Botox become a thing? <laughs> that might have been. The in between the time that Hugh Jackman was a child and an adult in this film. Yeah. Parents in this movie, too, play a big role. They're all snooty because they're all wealthy. The ones you see, at least. Right. 
there's that parent, which is like constantly a conflict with him and, and Hugh Jackman about like, I'm going to be good enough for your daughter and give her the life she deserves. And then you have uh, Zac Efron's parents who in this movie, Zac Efron starts uh, dating or at least interested in dating Zendaya, which Zendaya plays the uh, trapeze artist or trapeze swinger or whatever. And so in this movie, the they run into his parents and they're like really critical of mm-hmm. like, I didn't know you're going to be with the help or whatever. Right. And then he like loses his mind and she like gets sad and like, and then and we runs got that good duet that I mentioned earlier. Right. <laughs> so the parents in this are all really horrible, ri- yeah, for rich sure. people who are constantly scoffing at everyone. For sure. Which maybe that's accurate for the time if they're wealthy. I don't know. Who is your favorite performance in this movie? I honestly don't know. I would say probably Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, that, I mean, that's really tough. I understand where you're going. So me, like, the first, the obvious choice is Keila Settle, who plays the bearded woman who sings This Is Me. Like, she kills it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is her first thing ever. But I really love Zac Efron in this movie. Zac Efron is good, too. <laughs> I really, I really, really loved it. I One, I felt like has, like, so what people probably don't know is that Really, the crux of this entire idea of pairing good and bad movies really rests on the laurels of High School Musical. And specifically, a scene in High School Musical 2 where Zac Efron is singing, to, singing the song Bet on It. We have watched the music video, aka the scene from High School Musical 2, for that specific song, I'm going to guess at least 200 times. It's been a lot of times. It's been a lot of times. Um, we love it. We, we know the choreography. We know all the move. Like, we, it's so ridiculous. We love it. So, having known Zach in that arena for so, so deeply ingrained in my brain, I feel like when he did this, which, I mean, makes sense. It's like, what, 10, 15 years later? Yeah. Like, it is, his vocals are so much better, and we confirm that he is singing his own vocals, which he doesn't do in the first High School Musical, but does do in two and three. His dancing, I feel, is better. His charisma is better. I just, like, as us jokingly being obsessed with bet on it like i love seeing him fully flourish into a performer yeah i mean i think that he's really good in this movie i think hugh jackman is surprisingly good oh for sure um for doing his own like dancing and singing jackman surprised himself and that's why he did a one-man show across the world right called the greatest showman right he considers himself the greatest showman he actually kind of is. I listened to a, um, what is his name? So we've talked about this before. So the director of Juno, it's Reitman. Yeah. Jason Reitman. Yeah. It sounds very similar to Jason Bateman is what I remember. I can't remember if it's. I'm going to look it up right now. Because it's R-E-I-T-M-A-N. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's spelled. Okay. So anyway, um, him. It might. I can't remember if it's Jason or, or something else. But uh, that director, he worked with Hugh Jackman. Uh, it is Jason Reitman. Okay, so he worked with Hugh Jackman on that movie about like a candidate, like a political oh, the front candidate. Runner. The front runner. Right, the front runner. And uh, I was listening to an interview with him, and he was talking about how working with Hugh Jackman was like a once-in-a-lifetime experience in that he had never had an actor who would learn how to do anything you asked him to learn. Mm. He was saying that like at any point of time, he was fully confident that he could be like, okay, in this scene, uh, I'm going to have your character juggle. Mm-hmm. So, like, we'll just have, like, a, like a body double come in and, and do the juggling. And 
I don't, I don't think that actually happens, but you know what I mean? Like, so he was just coming up with an example of like, right. if I asked him to do that, Hugh Jackman would be like, no, just give me like two weeks. I'll learn how to juggle and I'll right. do it myself. Right. And he said that he had never met anyone who was like, anything you ask me to do, I'm going to teach myself how to do and right. I'm going to do it. Like he has no doubles. So right. he taught himself how to dance. He might've already known how to dance. Right. I don't know if he was in any, any other uh, musicals and things. Right. Was he in any of those other big ones? I mean, other than the Late Miz movie. Yeah, Late Miz is what I was thinking of. Yeah. Wasn't Russell Crowe in that too? Yes. Okay, that's, I didn't, I couldn't remember <laughs> if it was, if they were both in it or just one right, or the other. No. Okay, yeah. Another bizarre person to be singing right. in a musical, but. Uh, so, for one second, just going back to Zac Efron in this movie, mm-hmm. I felt like Troy Bolton had to walk so Philip Carlyle could run, uh-huh. which are the two characters of Zac Efron. Yep. And I just, like, as I was, like, watching, it was when they were doing their reprise of The Greatest Show at the very end, and, like, Hugh Jackman, like, hands off the hat to him and is like, it's now your show. Mm-hmm. And, like, he he's coming out there, and, I mean, I'm just looking at his form as somebody who, you know, danced for most of her life. Like, he has really great form. I was like, I can just imagine Kenny Ortega playing this in his theater room, because Kenny Ortega definitely has a theater room, right? 100%. For sure. So it's like a movie theater size screen in his house is what I'm envisioning. Envisioning, And I just imagine him standing super close to it and like a single tear running down his eye as he sees Zac Efron performing this. He's like, this is the greatest show. <laughs> well, what you should also know, if you don't know who Kenny Ortega is, which many people probably don't. Yeah. Uh, he directed the high school musicals, but he's also directed a number of other things. He does dance choreography. Right now, his uh, big thing is like, uh, like Jim and the Phantoms or whatever that's called, like on Netflix. I don't know what that is. You would think that it's like the next High School Musical if you're following him. He also directed a number of episodes of Gilmore Girls, which is like a big deal for me, I guess. I think he directed like the pinnacle episode of when Dean and Rory break up, which is, you know, pretty sad. The Dance-a-thon. Yeah, the Dance-a-thon. Julie and the Phantoms, that's the show that he's doing on netflix that he think is he thinks is the best thing that's ever happened in the world yeah i haven't tracked anything else that he's done we looked it up once we were talking about whether kenny ortega is actually a successful director and the answer is yes because we looked it up and with pretty small budgets like single digits in the millions right he made movies that grossed like hundreds of millions of dollars just with the High School Musical series. So he has really like knocked it out of the park on making return on investment for his movies. I don't know if they are the best movies anyone has ever seen. And High School Musical definitely is not. But the man at least knows what he's doing in terms of making a movie that'll make money. That's for sure. So in terms of drinkability, do you think the drinking rules that we had were applied? Are there anything else we should have added? No, I think that, I mean, the drinking rules came up the whole time. Yeah, for sure. Barnum... You can drink to pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, circus, mm-hmm. that gets said a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, applauding does happen a lot. Mm-hmm. It happens in most of the numbers and even when there aren't musical numbers. Right. I don't think there was anything that would cut out. Yeah, I agree. I think all those worked out. So we had a very detailed discussion on if this is a good or bad movie. What's your rating? So... That's a tough one because, like I said, it's so conflicted. <laughs> like it's it's both good and bad. 
Honestly, coming into this, I thought I was going to rate it a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, having watched it, I guess I had more time to be like less awed by the musical performances and more critical of everything else that's in the movie. Mm-hmm. I remember that my biggest complaint the first time that we saw the movie was like how they're portraying, like they're really glorifying P.T. Barnum and like circus life in general. Right. Like it very much starts off being very like, as if he's altruistic of being like people who have some type of physical deformity or like are considered weird. I see your value and I want you to, you know, shine. Right. It kind of like touches a little bit on the fact that he's making money off of them. And there is one particular scene. I mean, this is me is entirely about being like, right in that scene you're just making money off of us right and it's the first time that he acts like he doesn't really care but you know that's part of his character arc of that moment right because he's nicer to them throughout the rest of the movie but in terms of the real life pt barnum he's kind of just like a. I mean he is a, a showman and kind of a grifter i think that he actually was a reasonably good person and i think he became like a philanthropist and did kind of champion very various causes sure it's probably hard to rate him by today's standards given the time period he was in. Because at that point in time, certainly nobody was treating any of those people well that would have been in his traveling show. Right. Um, He did, however, create the culture that then lasted for like 100 more years of having like freak shows. I have to say that like it was just kind of a throwaway line at the very end. But it's like where he started this entire show burns down and they are coming up with a way to bring it back. And, like, it was such a throwaway line, but it was also so stupid. It was, like, like, Hugh Jackman goes, New York real estate is no good. All I need is a tent. Right. Which is obviously alluding to the fact that we all see circuses in tents these days. Well, and in the past, too. I think, like, that scene, it's, it's a little weird, too, because that's when he has the realization that real estate in New York City is expensive. Which has been the case since the dawn of New York City. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he does kind of make, like, connect the dots of, like, well, wait a minute. If you went to the seedy part of town down by the docks, that land is worth nothing. Right. So all we have to do is buy up really cheap land uh, that nobody wants and nobody's going to and then put a tent on it. That's his real, like, uh, you know, that's that like the... a Shark Tank moment. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin O'Leary would love that pitch. Yeah. Well, and it made him a, a, a millionaire, um, a lot of money. But um, I will say, too, uh, something that I did find out about P.T. Barnum when I was looking this up last time is that he wasn't just kind of like the runner of a circus. He ended up becoming a mayor. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that he did. He also became... Like mayor of New York City or somewhere no, not, else? not that big. Um, this is more like low-key being a mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to look up exactly where he was. So he became the mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut. That was like one of the last things he did. If you're a mayor in Connecticut, does that basically mean that you're governor? Because it's such a small state. Uh, No, probably not. (laughs) Bridgeport (laughs) is probably a pretty small town. But before that, though, he had three years as a member of the Connecticut House of Representatives. Oh, wow. So he uh, did a number of uh, political things after he left uh, the showbiz business. Wait, so what was your writing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i really went on a tangent there uh well what i was trying to bring up is that that has to factor in that they're glorifying and i don't like i said i don't think pt barnum was like a bad person uh necessarily i I honestly have no clue if he's a bad person but based on this sole movie i don't know if he was a bad person or not right i would say i would give it a 68 all right that's higher than i thought you were gonna give it 
Yeah, I I mean, going into it, I thought it would be like in the high 70s, maybe, mm-hmm. um, based on my memory of it. But the dialogue is really weak. I mean, if you get yeah, outside the music, outside the musical numbers, the dialogue is not good. Right. And they do a lot of dumb things like the list that I talked about. Right. Many times there were things that we kind of like commented on that were like, wait a minute, why did they do that? Right. So, and I, I forgot that part the first time we watched it. Right. So, I don't know. What about you? This is purely going off of how much I love the musical numbers and that like that they stand the test of time. And I understand it hasn't been a lot of, a lot of time since this movie came out, but like right now, like there's like a TikTok phenomenon going on about like recreating scenes from greatest showman, like, like the dance numbers and whatnot, mm-hmm. which I think proves how good one, the music is and how good the choreography is. Mm-hmm. So knowing that I love music and choreography, <laughs> I'm going to give it like a 73. So okay. not that much higher than you. Yeah. I think the dialogue is horrendous. I'm hoping that our next movie pick is going to make it seem better. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it was the greatest movie of all time. No, but it is an enjoyable movie to watch and you can drink to it. And Absolutely. if you like musicals or anything like that, you'll you'll enjoy it. I agree. But getting into the movie you may not enjoy. Oof. Music. Okay. I know nothing about this film. Uh-huh. Do you know anything about it? No. <laughs> Just You me. pulling up a random trailer for it a little while ago <laughs> is the first time I had ever heard of it. And it okay. came out, I think, early, in 2021. Yeah, I think it came out early this year. I think it was filmed in early 2020. Yeah. So this is a movie written and directed by Sia. I know nothing about it other than that Maddie Ziegler plays somebody on the autism spectrum. Right. The only other thing I know about it is that it was very publicly not liked <laughs> that's really all right. i know i did look up a little bit when you mentioned the movie and it seems like there's some backlash from various like autism related communities right so i don't know it did seem like there was kind of a conflict there that like a couple of the uh, autism related organizations approved of it and then some of them didn't approve of it so i don't know where that stands and uh, i don't know enough to get into it but right yeah me either. So, in case you're like us, you know nothing about this movie. Here's a quick synopsis that I've gotten from uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So, Zoo. Are you fucking kidding me? Her name's Zoo. It's spelled with a Z. Yeah. <laughs> played by Kate Hudson. That doesn't surprise me, honestly, from what you've described this movie so far. As a free spirit, estranged from her family, who suddenly finds herself the sole guardian of her half sister, Music. How do you say Lurk? Oh my god, so Maddie Ziegler's character is called music, so we're not talking just about the concept of music. The the girl's name is music. Okay. Okay, so the main girl's name is music. This is not a musical. Yeah, so I might have fucked up in this. Uh, Wait, the next sentence. The musical drama explores the tenuous bonds that hold us together and imagines a world where those bonds can be strengthened in times of great challenge. Love, trust, and being able to be there for each other is everything. That makes sense as a sentence. No, it, th- you know what that sounds like? It sounds like when those people were contacting you about uh, lawyer.com. Oh, yeah. When I try to join a cult. Yeah. Uh, intentionally tried to join. Right. Uh, it's not a cult, but it's uh, uh, it is kind of like an MLM or at least it gave us those vibes. Because, yeah, let's, let's quickly get into the story because yeah. I think it's worth it. <laughs> so there was a girl that I am Facebook friends with that I went to like middle school and high school with. Right. And she was 
posting, this was like a few years ago, this was probably like three or four years ago, and she was posting nonstop about the millennial mu- movement. Right. Hashtag millennial movement. And she was talking about how she's bought herself a Mercedes Benz. Which she, people even say Mercedes Benz. Like, it's just Mercedes, right? Like, I'm just out of touch. Or a Benz, but I think that... People do not, definitely do not people just say, say like Benz. People sometimes say Benz. <laughs> like, people who are, like, people who will never own a Mercedes. That might be the case. <laughs> it's one of the two. Anyway, so she's posting about how prosperous she's being and, like, whatnot. I'm just, like, really confused by, like, what she's doing, right? Yeah. So then she posts that she's going to a conference, Yep. Which is call, called something like Millennial Movement or something. And I'm like, perfect. I can go look up this conference and figure out what she does. False. I could not figure out what she does because I found YouTube videos. I found everything. Nothing said like what the Millennial Movement does like or what it is. It's just like like breeding our next generation of entrepreneurs, like blah, blah, blah. I like cool, but like I don't understand how you're making money. Yeah. And I remember you talking about this because you were showing me this as it was happening. And a lot of it was just like that boilerplate talk that's like, do you want to be able to harness your potential? Do you want to be able to use synergy to achieve goals? Like it's like that type of like language that they were using that that means nothing and tells you nothing about what they do or like what their purpose is. Right. And it's like I'm watching YouTube videos and it's like I'm so grateful for this millennial movement because of it. Like I have reached my goals and like I like topped like a hundred thousand dollars in sale. I'm like, sales of what? Like what are you what are you selling? Right. That was the most bizarre part is that they kept talking about how much they sell, but they would never tell us what they sold. Exactly. Yeah, that's very strange. So that's like MLM 101, right? Well, after that, when I could not figure out after a fucking conference what they were selling, I decided I needed to infiltrate. Yep. So I messaged this girl from high school. God, I hope she never listens to this. And I'm like, hey, I'm like a boss babe. (laughs) 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 I want to be a girl boss. (laughs) And... I'm so interested in what you're doing. Like, I I am so inspired. Like, what can I do? God, I'm the biggest asshole now that I think about it. Isn't it so funny that it, there's a specific type of person? Yeah, cheeky. And, and the only way that they can be a girl boss is by selling MLM items. <laughs> right. It's being a hun. So I, don't, I feel like you're not well versed enough in like the MLM world. Like I'm obsessed with it. And that it's called being like a hun because like it's like, you know, like your person that you've never heard from since high school, like sending you a Facebook message and be like, hey, hun, like, do you want to be like, uh, like, do you want to be able to make some like extra money to like fund your shopping? Right. Anyways, so I reach out to her and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so inspired by you. Oh, my God. Like, I want to be a boss babe, too. Like, what can I do? God, I hate myself as I'm talking about this. And so she goes into this whole thing and she says, like, this past year, like, I've, like, I've made, like, $60,000, gotten to go on all these cool trips and gotten to do all these things. Is that something you would be interested in? The answer is no, but I said yes, because I wouldn't understand what the fuck she was doing. (laughs) Right. And again, vague, because it starts out with, I made money doing something. I went on trips going somewhere doing something. Right. But at no point saying, like, I made money doing blank. Right. I made money by going to blank conventions. Right. Or I went to these. Like, it's all so vague. Right. So I say, yes, I'm interested. Yeah. 
So then I get sent a link to a video. And the video is quite literally describing a pyramid scheme in which it's like, okay, so you're going to pay me $200 for the supplies that you need. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to, just like I recruited you, all you need to do is recruit two people. And when you recruit those two people, they're going to also recruit two people. And like, you're going to be able, just like I told you, like whenever you sell this product, which I don't know what it is at this point. I have no clue what the fuck I'm supposed to be selling. Right. You'll get this percentage of it. Yeah. That's a pyramid scheme. Quite. I mean, even in the video, it shows a pyramid. Like it was a pyramid scheme. (laughs) Like there's no other way to describe it. So anyway, so I'm just like, I'm saying yes to the point to just like, I want to understand what is it? Like, what am I selling? Like, what is this pyramid scheme? Right. At least with most pyramid schemes, you do know what they're selling. Right. Whether it's like candles or weight loss products. No, and millennial movement, I did not know what it was or selling. And so it got to the point, I think she asked for like $450. Wait, she wanted $450? Yeah. From you? Yeah. For what? To join the millennial movement. But like, to do what? Exactly. So that's how I found out. This entire thing is for (laughs) lawyer.com. We're going to get into lawyer.com in a second, and that is not a sponsor. But going through this, so you were not the first person who did this, right? She did it. Somebody messaged her All and the, asked yeah. her for $450, right. and she was like, sign me up. Right, and I should also mention that, like, so what had happened is lawyer.com had been a thing, and they had just moved into this new subscription-based service where it was like an app. They, like, had never had an app before, and they just had an app. Right. And I guess millennials love apps. I mean, we have phones, so I don't... And that's why they called it Millennial Movement. Yeah. And so fucking Lindsay Lohan did ads for them. Huh. That's crazy. And... Well, not that crazy. I don't know if she did the ads after we found out about MLM or not. So I wonder, was Lawyer.com heading this MLM or did some like third party organization say like, hey, we'll provide you with staffing to do this. And then they ran like a side MLM. I don't know if anybody can tell us I'd be so interested because this thing was completely branded as hashtag millennial movement. Right. And that's weird because in with most companies, if you need recruiters or if you need people to pitch this to, you know, sell subscriptions, whatever, that's normally a real occupation that you don't hide behind hashtags. Right. Or made up terms, right? Like if any company needed to market subscriptions, if Netflix wants to sell new subscriptions to new people and find other people to sell subscriptions, then they say, hey, we're Netflix. We do this. We need people to sell that. I don't know. Maybe it is genius in that, like, especially people our age, which like a little unfair because Sean and I have quite a few lawyer friends, but like we're not constantly thinking about having needing a lawyer like on a retainer, right? Yeah. So maybe this is like the way they're selling it to like the millennial generation of like, maybe you're a renter and like you're in a dispute with your landlord. And so you need to have like an attorney on call that you can like draft something. So it's like how regular people have lawyers on retainer. (laughs) Regular people? Like, yeah, regular people, people that can't afford to have lawyers on retainer, the majority of Americans. Okay, so like, I just want to make sure that we're included in those regular people because we are not people who can have. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is non-regular people who can't have. So it's like you pay like $20 a month and then like it gives you a certain number of hours of legal counsel per month. And so like if something happens, you can get that lawyer. Well, I'm fine with that. And and we're not hating on lawyer.com here. Oh, we're not? Well, well, no, that sounds like a, that sounds like a legitimate business model. It does. Right? I don't know why it had to be branded as millennial movement. 
And that's the problem. And, okay. and it's an MLM. Right. But so that's what I'm so confused about because lawyer.com, as you described it, does not sound like an MLM. Right. The way that they were recruiting the people to sell subscriptions is mm-hmm. what sounds. And that's why I don't know, like, did somebody be like, okay, I can provide you temp salespeople. Right. And we'll do blank because it's really weird for a legitimate company to get wrapped up in a Ponzi scheme that they don't have to be in. You know what I mean? Right. And that's what doesn't make sense to me. And like, how many times have you applied for a job where before you could get the job, you had to pay the employer $450? Uh, I, I can't say that I remember any of that. Right. I mean, like. Imagine going to like, I mean, it, so she made $60,000. Like that's, a, that's de- she a, said. a decent salary. But like, imagine going to some place that pays a $60,000 salary. Like you're a manager at Best Buy. Okay. So I just, I was Googling this while you were talking. Yeah. When I Google millennial movement now, which this is not the case for whenever I was trying to find out about it during this time, which was a few years ago. Right. It says that millennial movement is a 501c3 nonprofit youth empowerment agency. The millennial movement existed in equip and empower millennials to manifest their potential while providing a significant impact on society. You hear that again? That's what I was saying before that, that like made up nonsense language. Also, there are no youths that are millennials. (laughs) Not anymore. No. (laughs) So like, that's a really fucking weird thing. Yeah, that's weird. Wait, so Uh, they're a nonprofit? I mean, I don't know if this is affiliated with what we were talking about. That would be way more bizarre if a nonprofit was recruiting for a for-profit business. Yeah. In an MLM scheme. I don't know. This is... Okay. Why are we talking about an MLM right now? That's a good question. (laughs) We went way off into the weeds. (laughs) I mean, you go back to talk about this horrible movie that we think we're about to watch. Okay. So I I do remember why we talked about this and we went way out there. Sorry about that. But you know what? Maybe we have an investigative thing on our hands. Maybe we need to take this device and find out how something registered as a nonprofit is doing an MLM pyramid scheme to somehow recruit people for money that they have to pay them. Also, if there's an MLM you want me to infiltrate, I'm down. Just shoot me a message on Instagram and I'm here to... uh infiltrate it for you yeah we'll work that in between reviewing reviewing movies i just just to you know finish it out i did not give them the 450 dollars yeah i mean most people wouldn't when i found out it was lawyer.com that's what i was like that's all i wanted to know yeah i mean as far as i know most businesses don't require you to pay them in order to be an employee right um and the most of the ones that do are uh, schemes right so that part aside i do remember why we talked about this the reason we talked about it was because the language that they used which is the language that you just read about right. harnessing your potential is the language that sia used <laughs> right uh or uh someone used to describe that the movie music by sia and what i'm learning right now is what if music was the beginning of sia's own pyramid scheme it could be also i just found the messages from the said person oh you did i did and it's a lot yeah i think that's probably too much to go through right now yeah maybe we'll record something separate and if it's good sean can include it (laughs) (laughs) okay can i just say that like okay i just want to read how i started out my message to her yeah hey girl three exclamation points 
I've been following your new professional journey recently, and I've become interested in learning more about what you're doing. I hope this isn't too random or weird. I'm just really interested in learning more about what you're doing, which I mean, fuck, that's literally all I cared about. Like, that's the only thing I cared about was like, what the fuck are you doing? Okay, so I will point out, it's not necessarily 100% fair to her to act like she was aggressively recruiting you when you no, aggressively recruited yourself. <laughs> no, I don't think she's aggressively recruiting me. I said that, like, I reached out. I decided okay. I needed to join the MLM. I see. But the reason that you're doing this is because she was so rampantly posting stuff about the millennial movement. So, yeah. So she responds, so I could always send you a quick 13-minute video. Yeah, I don't consider quick. that quick. <laughs> On the project slash company itself. Would you want to check that out? And then we can get up after tomorrow. And then I can answer questions. And then I can go more in detail about the entrepreneurship and the millennial movement itself. You know what's going to be bad? No, there's no way. Okay, so what I was going to say is that what's going to be bad is that if this is just a regular nonprofit that really is trying to teach, you know, up and coming new professionals how to be entrepreneurs. Right. But if it was a nonprofit, you know what they wouldn't do? Charge you $450 to do that. Right. So I say, like, I, guys, I'm being so direct and i'm saying i would definitely be interested in the video and any literature i have actually been doing some research on my own and everything i found is very generalized and does not give any any specifics so i definitely want to learn more and i think that we watched that video and that it once again said nothing i also went to um capitalize that the video she sent me is no longer available Mm, that makes sense so she checked in to ask to see if i was able to finish the video so she said so how many hours are you currently working each week and i said i have a full-time career i work anywhere from 40 to 60 hours a week i don't want to talk about what i do i and i said i like my job but i am always hungry for more and she said nice you're very driven i love it I didn't honestly know what drive was until this business found me. They really do teach life transforming skills and the mentorship is out of this world. Well, what are the chances that you have time to... Oh, I think she's trying to say today, but it's two space day. For us to get up for a couple... What is get up for a couple of minute, quick minutes and I can get you some questions answered for you? Like that is like MLM speak, right? Like, can we get up? Oh, I don't know. It has to be. And I was like... I'm not talking to you on the phone today. <laughs> right. how, says, how far from this message before she started asking you for money? Well, okay, look, I look, I am doing my due diligence. I say, I can't talk to you, but I do have a few questions. Uh, what are the specific duties of the people you're c- recruiting? What has your journey been with the company? What are your duties now? What type of candidate, candidates do you look for? What have been the best character traits and the most successful people? The worst? I can't believe I wrote all this out. Yeah, that's weird. How do indiv- individuals turn a profit? How is pay earned and at what rate? What type of career advancement is available? <laughs> that's a lot of questions. Yeah. Oh, she really answers really far. Anyways, she sends me another thing. Wait, uh, so how oh, I'm so sorry. It's called Legal Shield. Oh, man, oh, man. you really messed up there. Sorry, lawyer.com. <laughs> We're going to get a cease and desist from lawyer.com. Yeah. I'm and you know to what? To we won't shots. be able to afford it because we don't have a, a lawyer on retainer. So I would have to purchase my own membership, which was $99. To what? To Legal Shield. Wait, so you had to purchase your own membership to the company so that you could work for the company? Yeah. They didn't like provide it as a perk? Right. Huh. 
And then, well, because she just recruited me. That's how an MLM works. Um, I mean, I'm very confused about this. Anyways, let's got way too far off topic. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll return to this at some future point if we have more updates. Once we find out if Legal Shield was a, uh, I mean, is that a legitimate company? I don't know. We'll I don't figure know. It we'll out. find out. Again, it may have nothing to do with the companies that they are trying to sell things for. It could be whatever organization is teaching these people how to be, quote, entrepreneurs by selling subscriptions. You know, like that's being a salesperson. Yeah, it's a new door-to-door salesman. I mean, it's just like those are already jobs. One, you're not an entrepreneur by being a salesperson for a company. What? Surprise. Okay, (laughs) that is a job that has existed for a very long time. Right. I work for a company and I don't think that I'm an entrepreneur. Because you're not. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't start her own company. Right. (laughs) But... Often with MLMs, the way they get away with this is by describing the job as if you're your own boss because you're contractual. Right. Because like, well, you determine how much money you make. You determine how successful you are. Right. Not me. So if you buy more of our products to sell, you know, like then you can make even more money. Right. You know, whatever. Anyway, so way off topic. Time to get back on topic. Okay. With music. Here's the thing. We're about to watch this movie. We know nothing about it. We did find out, though, in our research that it was nominated for Best Musical or something, or like Best Picture Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes. It was Best Comedy and Musical. Or or Musical. musical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh So maybe we're wrong. Maybe this is actually a great movie with a really horrible casting choice. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Drinking rules. You weren't able to find any for this movie. I was not able to find any for this. So I think we should bring over some from Greatest Showman. Uh-huh. So obviously anytime, one of our standing drinking rules is anytime they say the name of the movie. We just found out the name of Maddie Ziegler's character is the name of the movie. So I feel pretty confident that we're going to say it. Yeah, we should keep that though. Yeah. So I also think that we should add in the name Zoo for Kate Hudson's character because why the fuck not? Yeah. What else? I would say that anytime there's dancing or singing, like yeah, uh, like a musical like, number yeah, or something like that. that definitely has to happen. Anytime we're uncomfortable, because I feel like we're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, from watching the trailer, I was uncomfortable. So yeah. I'll say anytime I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think while that is very subjective, I think that we can all agree that everyone might be uncomfortable. Yeah, probably so. Anything else we should add? All right, so the last part that we need to do before we watch this movie is our shot in the dark. Oh, my favorite part. Yeah, so not, neither of us have seen music. And this is a unique situation where uh, neither of us have seen the movie. Yeah, you're right. Normally, it's just one or the other. Um, or, you know, it's been a long, long while since one of us saw it. But this time, neither of us have seen it. We know very little. We just know what was in the trailer and the synopsis. So for this movie, I think that my shot in the dark. So we know that, I guess, from the synopsis, Zoo. <laughs> her, her name is Zoo. Yes. So what we've learned about her is that she is some sort of addict or something like that. She's going to come in and take care of her sister for whatever reason. I think that this is going to pull the classic trope of the person who has to take in like an orphan or someone who they adopt or, you know, it's just like the classic story of someone who like has this, you know, like they now have to take over this responsibility. And in the movies that poorly portray that, Mm -hmm. they do one thing. And that thing is at some point in time, no matter how much they've been bonding up to that point, there comes a moment when they're like, I can't do this. 
I'm having like like second thoughts and I'm going to leave or leave you with someone else or just like leave this situation. Right. Like I can't be your caretaker anymore. Right. Yeah. And then normally not long after they make that decision, they then are like, I made a terrible mistake. I actually do want to be that person's right. guardian. And then they have to race, you know, to wherever the, to the right. home that they left them in or, right. it, or to the foster family. And they have to quickly make sure like, no, actually, like, I've changed my ways and I now am, like, capable of being responsible for you. Right. I think that's going to happen with Kate Hudson's character. That is such a trope of bad movies. I'd be shocked if it didn't happen. It seems like something that's going to happen, especially in a movie that looks like it's all based on who right. knows what. Right. Like, so what about your shot in the dark? So the very little I know about this film is all I've seen in the trailers is Maddie Ziegler horribly portraying someone who might be nonverbal. Given that the name of the movie is music, and now that I, from the synopsis, I know that her name is music, so this might change what I was thinking a little bit. But I can imagine this thing where like it's like this horrendous acting of somebody who might be nonverbal. And then music is turned on, like, in her headphones or something. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, because, like, she's so in love with the sound of music, no pun intended, um, she, like, is, like, for a brief second going to act like she's non, like, she is not, yeah, like, she's not nonverbal. I mean, that's a good guess, too. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, like, she just hears music and all of a sudden she can actually, like, communicate. Yeah, exactly. Because from what we've seen of the trailer, she, like, can't speak at all. Like, yeah, exactly. not even, like, a exactly. single word. She cannot look you in the eye. Yeah, right. So Type when thing. she hears this, she, like, goes into a trance or something. And then right, and now exactly. she, can see, exactly. she can talk because that, that's how she's. That's my shot in the dark. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, well, let's go watch and maybe we'll have some rules to add after we watch it. And maybe it won't be as bad as we think it is. Maybe. Okay. So we're back from watching Music, the film. Music is the most uncomfortable film I have ever watched. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> like, okay, this is, this is a movie that it really had no point. There was no point to this movie. The movie didn't try to make a point of like... Of anything. It didn't try to accurately portray the life of someone with autism. It didn't try to portray the life of an addict. It didn't try to portray anything. Really, all it did was try to address every imaginable problem. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) Just like by saying that it exists. Right. Okay. So I have to say that like there are not many films like like the point of having a movie night and choosing a bad film is to choose a bad film. I can only think of a couple times where we've sorted it started a bad film and you're like, I don't think I can watch this. I mean we and did we were watch like, it, but we were like twelve minutes in and you're like, I don't know if I can watch this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there have been movies that were bad and that like I wouldn't like immediately want to rewatch again. There wasn't a movie that was like painful to watch. Right. And a lot of this was painful. It's painful from the very beginning because, like, the beginning opens with a musical number where this uh, Maddie Ziegler or whatever her name is, the Mm -hmm. dancer from um, Dance Moms. Moms, Yeah. It starts with her doing, like, a really weird 
dance that looks like a Sia music video because the whole thing looks like a Sia mu- music right. video. And I just want to, uh, as someone who likes dance, I just want to come in and say it's not necessarily weird. It's very t- contemporary in style. Oh, that's not what I meant. Well, that was weird about it. I know. I just wanted to be very clear about what you thought was weird about it and not that a contemporary dance style, style was weird. Sure. That's, yeah. So what I found weird about it, anybody would feel weird about it, is like the faces she's making which are the faces that she then continues to make throughout the whole movie. Right. And we should, I'm just touching on it again. And that like, and a Sia music video, especially since she started using Maddie Ziegler as her muse to like act out in all of her music videos. The faces are a big thing. Like making like strange faces are a huge thing in there. Yeah. That's worse when you're trying to represent something. So what I'm trying to say is that in that first number, it felt different from any Sia music video it felt like I'm trying to act out the intricacies of autism. Right. Which uh, sounds like a really bad basis for a Dance Moms episode. Right. So, I mean, that's a bad way to start off in general. And then it's just a series of bad things. It's like, you uh, know... Most egregious, I think, is Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, doing a Jamaican accent. Uh, well, there's that, too. I oh, know. He's, he's, he says he's from Ghana, so it's just like an African accent. It starts like, out sounding very Jamaican, again, but yeah. it turns out he's actually from Ghana. Yeah. He also randomly has AIDS, uh, something that at no point does the movie discuss him having AIDS. <laughs> uh, what happens is that in the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie, it's just like he's having a discussion with, like, a, an argument, kind of, with Kate Hudson, and then they... She like says, I don't care that you have AIDS or something like that. Right. Like we didn't like we didn't know what the point was. But I will say the only way that we were alerted at any point in this movie was like 30 minutes in a random scene of him talking on a phone, not in his own apartment, mind you, like in music and uh, Zia's apartment. Yeah. Being like, no, sorry, I didn't qualify the, for the clinical trial. That was it. Right. And at that point, you don't know what that means. It right. could be like. You're trying to get paid because you're poor, like, mm-hmm. and you want to get paid to be in a clinical trial, which some people, you know, do that type of thing. Right. Or who knows? Like, right. there's literally no, nothing that they talk about. They also allude to the fact that he may have had a brother with autism at some point in time, um, because when music starts having one of her kind of like meltdowns, where she is kind of like on the ground and like flailing and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, he like gets on top of her, which... This is another thing that I did read uh, kind of was a point of contention is that that is really not acceptable and not not supported by uh, the community to restrain people physically right. like that anymore. And so even if it's like you're trying to be loving while you do it, it's like you risk a lot of injury and stuff like that. Either which way, that's not the point. The point is that he basically like lays on top of her and then Kate Hudson Whose name is, okay, Zoo, but her full name, (laughs) the name of her half-sister is Music. And her name is Zoo, short for Kazoo. (laughs) Like the the instrument that, you know, that you would play in a nursing home. Like a kazoo. (laughs) I thought you went as far to call it an instrument. (laughs) I mean, it's an instrument. People play the kazoo. (laughs) It's also like a plastic toy that you put in party favors. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Either which way. So he is laying on top of of music. And kazoo, named Mm -hmm. Zoo, is like, how do you know how to do that? One, he's not doing anything other than literally crushing this girl with his body. Right. And she's like, how do you know how to do this? And he was like, 
my brother, he, th- he used to experience this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, really? Your brother? And he's like, yes, he is dead. <laughs> right. But the he way says he says it. jovial. <laughs> yeah, the way he says it is literally like, yep, he's dead. <laughs> like, n- like, no, like. Right. This so is like, a what sore are you spot. Having lunch? <laughs> right. Very, very awkward. I mean, bizarre. So we've already hit on some of the weirdest things about this movie. One, the names are all weird. His name is like... Ebo. Ebo? Ebo? Ebo. Ebo, Ebo. Which I guess maybe makes sense if that's which an actual name Which was weirder in that Ghana, we find but... out that his last name is Odom, which the actor is Leslie Odom Jr. So right. like that, I don't know, I... I have too much respect for Leslie Odom Jr. to believe that he signed on to this project and was like, this project is so important that I want to honor somebody in my family name, Evo. Right. I hope that didn't happen. I, I mean, I have no idea. What we talked about, though, is that, so Sierra wrote and directed this movie, and that what became very clear to us is that she does not know how to direct a movie. She just wants to direct music videos. Yeah, so it's clear that, like, Maybe she has like some vision for music videos, but that she does not know how to write or direct a movie. And so her basically what she figured she would do is just make like 10 back to back music videos and then loosely connect them with a vague storyline in between. So like that's an issue because there's a narrative, an overarching narrative right. that never comes together because... They're basically wordless uh, music videos, right? It's just yeah. it's just the singing and then well, them like, dancing. Yeah, like it's like CS singing a song, but it's not like them like performing well, a song. And, and yeah. the song isn't telling a narrative or something Right, like exactly. That. And so it really doesn't fit into like the broader story. So it's not like they're telling part of the story through these musical numbers. It's almost like they just shove musical numbers in the middle right? Uh, of, of moments. Because as they, Leslie Adam Jenner's character at one point in time is like, the way she sees the world is different. Uh, when she quickly glances at you, that's a snapshot. And like, if she had to like sit and look any longer, she would be overwhelmed by like mm-hmm. everything going on. Like, so that becomes a whole thing where mm-hmm. where like every time she looks at anyone, because she's always like moving her eyes around mm-hmm. and she's always like, you know, doing all this stuff. And mm-hmm. now they do these slow-mo scenes of her like, quickly side glancing at people so that you know that like she actually is aware and she saw what was happening (sighs) taking a snapshot i mean again it's not like all of the behaviors they show and describe don't happen it's just that they have taken absolutely no initiative to even kind of understand what a day in the life of someone with autism looks like or right and we should mention that like we are very interested because like it wasn't just being on the spectrum. It was being completely nonverbal in like the very tip of the spectrum, right? I mean, and that's part of the spectrum. Like that exists. Sure, absolutely. Right? But- so what we became very interested in after watching this horrible movie was what type of research was done to the character development, right? Yeah, so we had to have a long conversation about this. And I saw a little bit that like Sia was loosely um, motivated by having like a it was either a family friend or a neighbor who had a child with autism or something. Mm-hmm. Like so she had some loose connection to someone with, with autism. So that's maybe her motivation for wanting to do the movie. In terms of how did they prepare for, you know, making a movie about this and how did the actor or the actress prepare to play this character? That's what we looked up. And um, a little underwhelming, I would say. 
Yeah, so we looked up multiple interviews with Maddie, Maddie Ziegler where the, the question was specifically like, how did you prepare for this? Or like, what was, how did Sia communicate her vision for this? Mm-hmm. And none of it had to do with autism. All of it had to be with expressing yourself through dance. Right. Which I, I truly believe that's like what Maddie Ziegler believes. But if you're going to be portraying someone who's so expressively emotes a, um, a disability, like you should do more than just care about how music might like communicate something in someone's head. The other thing that we like, we're like, she's like so over the top. We were like, she better have spent quite a bit of time with someone who is experiencing this level of autism. Right. And so she was directly asked, like, how did she prepare for the role? And she said she watched YouTube. Yeah, YouTube and movies. Yeah, that's how she prepared. So that was disappointing. Yeah, and then when she was asked too, like, what made you want to portray this character? She said, "This role was gifted to me by Sia four years ago." Yeah, so it really had nothing to do with like an interest in playing a person with autism. Right. It was much more just like, "Oh, this is a role I got." Right. And so I like practice by watching YouTube. Yeah, there was like literally no like. I want to be bring awareness to this community. Like I want to bring awareness to the hardships of this, especially like of maybe somebody who is like a guardian of someone experiencing this who might not have experience with it. It it was none of that. Well, and what I learned too is that it's really not a movie about autism. Right. They use it's a a movie about every affliction one could face. No, literally, and I think it is intentionally a movie (laughs) about every affliction because uh, when you went and reread the synopsis. That, you know, because you read it the last time when Mm -hmm. we announced the movies and I had kind of forgotten a little bit. That really shows you what this movie's about. It's not about autism. It's about the struggles that we go through and like how we can have ties that bond us or whatever. Like it has nothing to do with this character. It has nothing to do with anything. And so she doesn't really care about portraying anything real about, you know, alcoholism, autism, AIDS, nothing like that. All she really cares about is just like those are problems that divide us. Right. And music can bring us together. Right. Which is hard because like there are moments in that movie where I'm like watching those musical moments and it's not it's not at all a traditional musical by any means. It's literally a movie with music videos making up the majority of it. But right. like those little vignettes of those music videos are times where I'm like, this is great. Like I get it. Like this is like I understand like the point you're making, but that is not the <laughs> that is not anywhere close to the majority of the movie. So this is a movie that we couldn't find drinking rules to. Right. So we had talked about anytime they said music or zoo. Music became a double whammy and that like I think that they're like obviously referring to Maddie Ziegler's character, but also they just talk about the idea of music all the time. So I feel like that was a really good good rule. Oh yeah, that, that's a primary one. Uh, Zoo is not said nearly as much. Like we go a long time before learning her name. <laughs> well, they say Zoo, but they don't say Kazoo. Um, but they don't say her name that often. But I feel like it's still a good one to um to drink to. Yeah. I feel like uncomfortability is the number one rule in this movie. Yeah, it was uncomfortable, <laughs> especially knowing that really she was just trying to replicate something she saw in a movie or YouTube video more than, you know, doing anything yeah, because she exactly. had to actually talk to someone once and that's what it was like or something. Exactly. But we also drank to 
anytime a music started uh, or dance number. Yeah, which was like the, I feel like was a majority of the film. Like going into it, I thought it was going to be more seamless um, than it was, but it was very much like. No, it's more like standalone like vignettes. It's yeah. like. But there's a lot of them. So that's definitely a really good drinking rule, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, it happens throughout the whole movie. Like we said, it's more like she pieced together music videos and then tried to add a narrative through some dialogue that happens throughout the rest of it. Right. Um, nothing's really tied together. There's no good narrative overarching. <laughs> it's really just a story about like this girl. She goes through her everyday routine. Her alcoholic sister shows up and, you know, it played by Kate Hudson. And she's going to walk around in her underwear most of the time. Yeah, it was a weird amount of her in her underwear. Yeah, a strange amount of like gratuitous, like being in your underwear type, right. type shots. I don't, I don't understand right. that part. But that there's a random kid across the street who like he was adopted by like uh, an Asian couple who runs a laundromat or a dry cleaning it's service or confusing. something. It's very confusing. I do not understand this man's role in this movie. Yeah, so at the beginning, they make it seem like maybe he's going to have a bigger role. Like, you never learn his name. Yeah, like, so, like, you know, like, so, music, Maddie Ziegler's character, like, she has a routine that's very important to her every day. She eats her two eggs, she has her hair braided, and then she goes on this walk. And throughout this walk, there are people along the way that obviously know that this is her routine and very important to her and whatnot. And so, like, her grandmother, who was her caretaker in the beginning of the movie, like, you see how, like, um, music is, like, going on her walk and whatnot. And you see her, like, go and glance out, like, a number, another window. And there is this guy who turns out to be, like, the guy from across the street. Um, he, like, nods to her grandmother to be like, yeah, I got her. And, like, it isn't like a, like, I'm being your companion. It's like I'm walking the same route that you are to make sure you're okay. Right. And that happens. It seems like he cares about her and they show him, like, multiple scenes about how, like, he cares that this person... He never interacts with her. It's not like he tries to right. talk to her. And there's, like, a point where it's, like, his parents, call, like, call him out for, like, being late to show up to the laundromat, but it's because he was, like, watching out for music. Right. And he never tells him that. Right. And they have a really weird storyline with him, and but... um, It makes no sense. No, I mean, nothing about it makes sense. And, and, again, you never learn that character's name. He never really interacts with any of the main characters other than nodding at the person and then, you know, watching music walk to and from. So that was strange. Really, the acting throughout this was so bad. It really was. And there was one particular character that stuck out to me. And do you have an idea of what I'm going to say? The character that stuck out to you? Yep. Other than music? Other than the main characters. Give me a second. No. I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> okay. Probably, of all the bad things we've already discussed so far. Right. And we're kind of like... In the uh, weeds of how bad this is. <laughs> yeah. Probably the worst one was whoever th made the casting choice. Oh, my God. For Ben Schwartz. For Ben Schwartz. Oh, my God. Yes. Ben Schwartz, who if you don't know who Ben Schwartz is, Ben Schwartz plays... John Ralphio. And John Parks Ralphio and Parks and, and, Parks and, and Parks of Rec. He's also the new Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but he's in a number of other things as well. Yeah. John Ralphio is probably what a lot of people know him from if they right. know him. He's also in uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. If you've seen that, it's on Netflix. Yeah. He is cast. What role do you think Ben Schwartz would be in? Uh, none other 
than like a drug kingpin. Right. With cornrows. Yeah. And he's really, he kind of like is made to look a little bit like James Franco in Spring Breakers. Yeah, that's exactly who he's made to look like. And Ben Schwartz is not an intimidating person, but there's one scene where Kate Hudson is like, I need to make money and so I'm going to sell drugs. And so he is like her supplier, right? And then she's going to go peddle the drugs and she like is talking to him about it. And he's like basically trying to go through the whole like, make sure I get my money. And he's goes up to it and is basically like, I can be a dangerous person. So like, <laughs> make sure not to get on my bad side. But this is Ben Schwartz saying this. Don't like, be don't suspicious. Be, yeah. <laughs> don't be suspicious. Literally. It, I mean, it kind of blows my mind how that casting choice was made. But Yeah. And like, okay, you want to make him like a drug kingpin. Okay. Why the cornrows? Why like the like Dalai Lama robes? Like it was the most confusing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And not even Dalai Lama robes. It was more like silk clothes that were vaguely... Asian inspired, right? Like right. with like dragons right. and like it's like what you would see in like the knife and sword store in a mall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's totally it. But his clothes are made of that. So oh, God. The, a really bad casting in that regard. I can't say the acting is good from anyone, but I don't think anybody he's a new <laughs> level of like, why are you here and why are you doing this? Exactly. Okay. Knowing all this, what are you rating it? I'm gonna give it a five. That's wow. the lowest I've ever rated anything. Yeah, I'm giving it a two. Wow, even lower. Right. The lowest thing I've ever rated is Beer Fest, which we have not talked about on this. But You're going to give this one above Beer Fest? Two above Beer Fest. I gave Beer Fest a zero. Oh, that's ridiculous. Beer Fest was better than this. At least, no, I feel <laughs> false. I feel like at least this had some moments where I was like, okay. But no, the, the majority of it was complete trash. Mm, I don't know. I disagree with that, but it I like how matter. like I give it a two and you get a five and you're like you're gonna give it that high. Oh no, I, I agree with giving it a two, <laughs> but when you compare it, that you the only thing you've ever rated worse is Beer Fest. That's what I don't agree with. I hate Beer Fest. I agree that it wasn't a great movie, but I think better than music. Music has been one of the worst things I've ever watched. It, it's seriously one of the, like if you're in the position where you have to pay five dollars to run it, like we were tonight, don't do it. Like just don't. It is so uncomfortable. Like, this is not a fun drinking movie. Like, this is like a I need to reconsider what I'm doing in life movie. <laughs> yeah. And we found out after the fact that this movie had a budget of $16 million. Yeah. $16 million. And it grossed something like five or 600000 It was like 654000 and five dollars yeah. because we paid for it today. So yeah, <laughs> that was a rough movie to get through, and most bad movies are enjoyable. We laugh at them. We laughed at a few parts of this movie. It was almost it too was, tough to laugh. It at. was yeah, it was too uncomfortable to laugh at. So uh, I would steer clear. Yeah, maybe, maybe this like not worth your time. So what's on deck, Sean? So there's a movie that we've been talking about for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. That we saw in trailers during the movies, back when we were going to movies. Yeah, I feel like I know what you're going to say. And we have made fun of this for so long without watching it. I feel really confident in what you're about to say. Okay. I'm going to start with the good movie like you did. That's the bad movie. That I was okay. I was hinting at the bad movie okay. there. For the good movie, another movie I brought up recently that I've been wanting to rewatch is The Big Sick. Oh, yeah. I love Camilo Nagiani. Yes. So The Big Sick, I really loved it. It was really funny, uh, but also like... Just a good movie. So in that movie, 
it, for those of you who haven't seen it, in The Big Sick, it's based on a true story. Camille Nanjiani's actual now wife, uh, when they first met, she had some sort of illness and kind of went into a, she was put into a medically induced coma. So that's what the most of the movie is about. With that pairing, kind of being ill or having a chronic illness or that type of thing, falling in love with someone who has a sickness, I am choosing Midnight Sun. Fell <laughs> floor. Yes. So <laughs> Midnight Sun, for those of you who don't know it, I'm not talking about the new uh, Twilight book or whatever. <laughs> the first Twilight told from Edward's perspective. Yeah, not that. <laughs> this movie came out, I don't 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. something like that, a few years ago. I think it's 2019. I think it's right before the pandemic year. Okay. Well, so when this movie came out, this is a movie about a girl with a condition where she can't be in the sun. And I looked this up. Turns out it is a real condition called XP. Yeah, that's how they refer to it. Yeah. And so it is a real condition. Uh, and so, you know, that is what it is. I don't think that this movie is going <laughs> to raise very good awareness for that condition just from <laughs> watching the trailer. The trailer <laughs> looks horrendous. It basically seems to suggest uh, that this girl, you know, she can't be in the sun, so she has to just go out at night. And I guess that's okay. And she goes out at night and she wants to play music or something like that. Right. And she then runs into a boy that she's been watching from her window, like, her whole life because she can only be inside. <laughs> she can't go to school and stuff like that. And this is all from the trailer that you you know, see most <laughs> right. of this. And the love interest is... Um, What's his name? Uh, Patrick. Patrick Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. Patrick, Patrick Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Right. And he, uh, you know, sees her and they fall in love or whatever. And from what I can tell, it seems like part of the premise of this from the trailer is that, like, you know, she can't ever go in the sun. And so she's trying to hide her condition from him. And that at some point in time, she's going to be like, you know what? I'm in love with you, so I'm just going to risk it and go out in the sun, even though it, even though that would literally kill me. Right. The condition, it's not like you, you know, have a reaction. Like, right. from the premise of this trailer, and from the synopsis at least, it sounds like if she goes in the sun, she is going to die. Right, yeah. Like, if you are one step like, in the it sun. It isn't like your skin's sensitive in the sun. It is like... Once you step in the sun, you're now a vampire and you are going to burn from the inside out. Right. And, and you know, I, I looked this up a little bit and it seems like there is a condition in that that is something that you could face. I highly doubt that it's as severe <laughs> as like one step, one step in the sun. Right. And you like literally just right. fall over dead. But we'll see. I don't yeah, know. I'm it, interested in how they portray this. I only know about the, the trailer. Um, I'll have to find out more about the actual illness to see like. Is there anything accurate about this right. uh, in this movie? <laughs> uh, but that's the pairing. So I think that it's going to be a good pairing with a lot of connections, right? So like, yeah. it's about a love story. Uh, one person that's falling in love with someone who has right. some sort of random illness. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm that it's going to it. be good. And we haven't watched it, even though we talk about it for like the last yeah, we've talked about it for years. <laughs> okay, well, this was great. I'm glad we're not in an MLM, and I can't wait for next week. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll be back.